Hello and welcome to this edition of Influx, the CIS podcast where we discuss technology, policy, politics and more. When we talk about technology, policy or politics, the first thing that comes to our mind given the incidents of the last three months is general internet censorship. And of course, something that's been in the news over the past few months has been internet shutdowns. It have happened over a number of parts of the country and uh, uh, the constitutionality and uh, of this has been challenged both in court and across a number of op-eds. But, but there are also other forms of website blocking that have been going on. And both in the context of internet shutdowns or other forms of web censorship, we've always, or I feel the discourse has been limited to what exactly is the politics and legality underpinning this, whereas the discussion on how exactly this happens or what are the technical tools that the government uses to uh, censor the web has not been discussed enough, which is why the paper that we'll be discussing today, a paper titled How India Censors the Web by my colleague Urshavad Grover is I think one of the more important outputs that have come out of the Centre for Internet and Society and probably one of the more important outputs in tech policy this year. Because if we are truly to come up with nuanced and workable recommendations on how we can deal with internet sovereignty without clamping down on uh, civil and political rights, we really need to understand uh, the technical tools that are used uh, by the government. So uh, welcome, Goshawa. Thank you for volunteering your time to explain this extremely important topic to us. Hi. Thanks so much, Arindrajit. Uh, very happy to be here. And uh, the paper that we'll be discussing today is uh, available on uh, archive. We're uh, still building on this work. This paper was done by me and uh, two consultants that work with the Center for Internet and Society, Kushagra Singh and Varun Bansal. And uh, as we discuss this, I, I encourage uh, listeners to also check out the paper after you listen to the podcast and feel free to send us your feedback. Yeah, yeah perfect. I, th- I think Kushagra has also worked with CIS in the past on, a, on some geo, geo-blocking output, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, and that blog post actually forms a part of this paper. Okay, okay, right, right, great, great. Perfect. So the first question I have, and it's sort of a very layman question is, and this is a discussion we're having just before we started recording, was we've heard about internet shutdowns, and that's been the sort of key catchphrase for all uh, digital uh, rights organizations to try and oppose. But your paper doesn't deal with internet shutdowns, so what exactly does your paper deal with? Yes, so one of the many ways in which India is engaging in online censorship is website blocking. As opposed to internet shutdowns, where the government orders telecom and internet service providers to basically drop all sorts of internet uh, traffic, uh, website blocking is a phenomenon that uh, is uh, pan-India and is a form of censorship that we're all facing. And everyday experiences, of course, if you try to open pirating websites, for example, the piratebay.org or... uh, Often websites that host Bollywood movies are commonly blocked in India and when you try to access these websites you will often see a notice that says this website has been blocked on the orders of the Department of Telecom. Right, right. So the technicalities and also the legal regime underpinning internet shutdowns and uh, just general website blocking is different? Yes, so the internet shutdowns uh, happen under the uh, colonial era Telegraph Act and uh, specific website blocking is actually the 
the basis of blocking specific websites is section 69a of the it act usually and also section 79 of the it act and section 69a of the it act gives the government the power to order intermediaries which are broadly defined as online services that deal with third party content to block certain content and uh, section 79 has similar powers but the procedures under it are different and also the grounds uh, that can form the basis of the removal right so generally i mean all of these uh, provisions are constitutional in your opinion or uh, particularly with regard to website blocking before we go on to the technicalities do you think that these provisions are largely in line with uh, key constitutional tests or do you have your concerns uh, before i express my opinion i'd just like to say that the constitutionality of both the provisions we just discussed has been challenged in course, the yeah. supreme court yeah. and of course uh, when it comes to internet shutdowns the most recent case was anuradha bhasin versus union of india yeah, yeah. where the court has not expressed an opinion on whether the par itself is uh, illegal but it did deliberate upon procedures that have to be followed uh, while an internet shutdown order is issued by the government when it comes to content takedown generally the section 69a of the it act was claimed to be unconstitutional by the petitioners in the shreya singhal versus union of india case uh, that the supreme court delivered its judgment on in 2015 so under section 69a of the it act the government has notified what are commonly called the blocking uh, regulations the blocking rules and in shreya singhal versus union of india the petitioners argued that that specific set of rules is unconstitutional because it has a provision of secrecy a and b that it does not have the necessary safeguards that have been built into other censorship uh, provisions that have existed in india for example section 695 of the code of criminal procedure allows state governments to ban books at the same time section 96 of the crpc allows any affected parties to approach the court about this uh, a particular ban on a publication when it comes to content takedown online these safeguards uh, do not exist uh, the sec- the rules under section 69a of the it act have a confidentiality clause and in effect this has meant that even content creators are sometimes not aware when their content when the government has ordered their content to be blocked in india right so gurshavad has an encyclopedic knowledge of the law as well so actually let, let me switch around uh, switch around my uh, order of questions before asking you uh, sort of what the technical or the, how india censors the web i want to ask you how this paper is relevant given the legal challenges surrounding the constitutionality and when we are making a decision on whether it is constitutional right when judges or Uh, legislators are making decisions on the constitutionality of these practices how does your paper how does a technical uh, understanding that you have provided in the paper how does that inform or how could these potentially inform these debates yes so in shreya singhal versus union of india the supreme court upheld section 69a and the rules under it so perhaps what we are trying to contribute through this paper is that in effect section 69a of the it act is creating a scenario where ISPs are blocking different uh, websites in India and of course the motivation of the paper was through anecdotal evidence our hypothesis is that the core problem in the website blocking legal regime in India is that the website blocking orders are in complete secrecy and another factor to consider is that over very many years in the past 
activists and organizations have tried to access, uh, access a list of blocked websites in India and the government has refused access to these organizations citing national security grounds or the confidentiality provisions built into the rules. Right, right. so in short, there is not no information available on how exactly this blocking is done. Yes. And your paper through anecdotal evidence is trying to paint that picture which can then inform these debates. Is that what you're trying uh, to say now? Uh, so I said that the motivation of the paper was anecdotal evidence right. and through this paper we wish to prove empirically right. that different ISPs are A, using different technical methods to block websites okay. and B, that they are blocking different websites. Okay, so let's now get to the meat of the paper and discuss some of these technical yeah. methods. So what are the methods that ISPs are using and uh, I mean, yeah, maybe we can just answer that and then go into what the policy ramifications of each of yes. these methods are. So, we should understand the technical methods that the ISPs are using to block websites because they have an immediate impact on how users experience web censorship. Exactly. So, a paper from researchers at IIIT Delhi in 2017 uh, covered uh, some of these aspects. Uh, when trying to assess what technical methods ISPs are using, we update that work. So one of the most popular methods used by ISPs in India to block websites is through the domain name system. Right. The domain name system or DNS uh, as it's usually called is the service that converts human possible names like google.com to their network addresses. So whenever you want to connect to a website, you would, uh, you would need its network address and the service does that for you simply. Usually you would contact your ISP which would be running a DNS service so in case you wanted to connect to google.com, you would send a query for google.com to your ISP and it would return its actual network address. Right. And therefore you are able to establish a connection to google.com. Right. Right. Now ISPs can send you a forged response instead. So leading you to another website entirely, which they might have set up, which let's say displays a notice to you right. that the website has been blocked by the de Department of Telecom. Another method is, uh, HTTP uh, header detection and HTTP is of course the hypertext transfer protocol which is the most common uh, communication protocol for the web. Unfortunately when HTTP was made uh, it, it was designed to only carry text in uh, plain text uh, that means unencrypted. Right, right. Therefore ISPs can access information when you try to access a website you mention its name in when you send that request and isps can detect this name and therefore again send you back a forged http response which can be let's say a notice that says again blocked on the orders of dot another uh, so when the researchers from triple it delhi in 2017 did their uh, research they only found these two methods being used by isps in india over the past couple of years we found evidence uh, uh, through our research that now south korea is employing another technique which is called uh, server name indication detection and there's also recent evidence that the great firewall of china is also using this technique to block websites for uh, chinese citizens and uh, so we devised uh, so the server name indication or sni uh, as i called it is an element in transport layer security which make which is the encryption protocol responsible for converting your HTTP connections to encrypted HTTPS mm -hmm. or secure HTTP connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this element was made for a very specific reason. It was, to, it was to support servers that wanted to host multiple websites. So you 
unfortunately the server name indication also travels in plain text uh, that is unencrypted over the yeah, wire yeah. and isps can detect the server name and interrupt your connection to the website right okay. so uh, that is a brief overview view of the techniques used by isps to block website okay so before we get into the policy implications now that we know these four techniques i think you mentioned uh, and of course in china we've heard of i mean the vpn that chinese people use it's called a virtual proxy network right or virtual, virtual private, private, private network yeah, that, yeah. that people used to sort of uh, circumvent circumvent yeah. the great firewall so as as users as people who want to have access to as much information as possible how does this information help us to figure out a way in which we cannot necessarily circumvent but uh, engage with uh, sort of web uh, web website blocking that happens in india does it help users at all in any way or is it more something that policy makers should take note of uh, interestingly there is no restriction on so uh, circumvention of censorship in india hmm. so users should feel free to uh, okay. circumvent a website ban i uh, an, not an endorsement of this view but uh, through my research i found no so particularly if a website is blocked yes there's nothing preventing you from using a vpn or anything to circumvent that there is uh, no such provision in the it act restricting right. such action right. okay uh, the technical methods used by isps have a direct implication on as i said how users experience censorship right but also on how they can circumvent it exactly so uh, as i said dns uh, is a system to convert domain names to network addresses hmm. and users can now just switch to another dns service entirely and so one of the most popular uh, censorship circumvention methods i noticed when growing up was people just switching their dns service to googles which is 8.8.8.8 and therefore uh, circumventing this particular technique um, of course uh, there is a way that isps can block these requests also because as i said dns requests are in plain text uh, there are recent developments in the internet uh, internet engineering task force and they have devised dns over https that's iet that's a global standard setting yes uh, uh, which has pioneered the internet protocols right, right. and they have recently designed dns over https and dns over tls the two uh, uh, things i've mentioned earlier hmm. essentially these will carry dns requests over encrypted connections and therefore there is no way for your isp to uh, block particular websites using these if, if you're using these protocols for right. dns similarly for http uh, there are you could make a browser extension which is able to just bypass this very simple form of uh, censorship and using this uh, these simple techniques you are able to circumvent censorship in a more efficient way rather than using a vpn which would be routing almost all your traffic through another uh, yeah, node exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, fair enough so then the next question and i suppose the more important question in terms of its policy ramifications is if you want to advise the government and sort of tell them that of course not to say that you are advising them to necessarily censor the web but if you want to tell them that a specific measure or method of censorship is less intrusive to fundamental rights than the other would you have an answer for that yes so one thing that we found through our research is this consideration of how users experience web censorship yeah. and in the techniques i mentioned one of the techniques which is sni based blocking yeah. actually makes it impossible for isps to serve you a censorship notice okay therefore if your isp is using this technique yeah you would actually not see a censorship notice when you try to access so this a blocked website so you should be korea no yes yeah. Uh, korea so and, and yeah the 
uh, I, I'll just briefly covered the ISPs we uh, ran these network tests from yeah, and what yeah, we found. Yeah. Uh, so we ran the test from six different ISPs in India, ACT, Airtel, BSNL, Reliance Geo, MTNL and Vodafone, which according to Tri's uh, data in October, they form they serve at least 98% of internet subscribers in India okay. together. Right. We found that ISPs are using wildly different techniques. For instance, ACT is using both DNS and HTTP to block. Um, BSNL is just using DNS. Uh, Vodafone is just using HTTP. And interestingly, we found that Reliance Geo is using HTTP-based uh, blocking as well and is now blocking websites based on the information in the server name indication or the SNI. Right. And, and SNI is the most, most intrusive form of blocking you were saying, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily intrusive. Uh, it is under a class of techniques uh, called deep packet inspection. Right. Therefore, it requires a little more effort from the ISP to block. But no, so uh, the intrusive intrusive and fundamental right. Yes, SNI yes. Pre precisely, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Because it does not make it... Uh, so if your ISP is blocking through SNI, hmm. you would just see a connection interrupted notice, right. which okay. would be a browser warning. Okay. and. Therefore, users trying to access websites would not know that this action is based on, let's say, a governmental order or whether it's not. And you found that only Geo is using SNI in India? Or? Yes. So we found that Geo is using SNI. And after we published the paper, uh, some users contacted us that they were seeing similar behavior from Airtel as well. Okay. And uh, so we ran all the tests from Bangalore, of course. Right. but. So when it comes to SNI blocking, you would need the ISPs would need to install specific devices, uh, usually called middle boxes, right. which detect and uh, this information in internet traffic. So uh, clearly, uh, even Geo has not installed enough middle boxes to cover the entire country and uh, traffic that's going through it, and uh, that can be similarly said for Airtel. Right. So SNI is sort of a no-no in terms of, as I said, uh, in terms of their intrusion into fundamental rights. Yes. Uh, but is there a method that is there out of the methods you survey is there a method that you would argue suppose like could possibly do justice to sort of the government's sovereign powers while not being excessively intrusive fundamental rights is there one method you would recommend as not saying that recommending web blocking but as you would recommend as, as a method the government could be using hmm. or isps could be using yeah, I think uh, further in the discussion, uh, I hope to discuss why I think uh, the whole regime uh, is uh, gone sour uh, okay. as our result. So not even one method works. But uh, to answer your question directly, is DNS and HTTP-based blocking would be able to serve censorship notice uh, notices, therefore inform users that the websites have been blocked on government orders. Right, and uh, therefore in, allow them to take remedial steps yes. in terms of circumvention techniques. Yes, interestingly, we found that Airtel is not sending a censorship notice even though they are using a DNS-based uh, technique. Ah, so. Okay. Even after you decide the technique, their implementation needs to be sending censorship notices to users. Right. Fair enough. Okay, so then let's get to the, I guess, the last part of the discussion, which is where you said the entire regime is gone, sir. Yeah. And you started off, we started off discussing the fact that this regime, for the most part, even though it's been challenged, it's as of now still constitution. So when you say it's gone, sir, what do you mean? Do you mean the politics is gone, sir? Do you mean the technical implementation is gone, sir? Or do you mean that it's uh, legally no longer viable? So. I, in my opinion, the most interesting finding of our paper is that there are large inconsistencies in ISP's website block list. Okay. For instance, we, uh, in, in terms of absolute numbers at least, ACT is blocking 3721 uh, websites out of the 4000 almost we tested. Yeah. 
and uh, so compared to we tested the blocking 3721 yes so they're allowing something like 279 so like, our list is a list of potentially blocked websites as i said earlier okay. we we cannot have the full information right. because that has been denied right. by the government okay. uh, the our test is just a collection of court orders government orders and user reports that we right. could access right. so, so we're calling them potentially blocked but it turns out that you were right because out of the 4000 you survey yes uh, yes so and fair, fair, fair sample yes uh, and Let's compare to uh, compare to ACT. Airtel is blocking roughly half the number of websites in this list, okay. uh, around 1,800. Okay. And in in fact, we then if we study the inconsistencies across ISPs, we found that there are several websites that are being only blocked by one ISP out of the six, and there were 200 such websites. Okay. Wow. And uh, so what what's happening here? The ISPs are not listening to the government. Yes. So. Uh, and again, on the opposite and like one more important result is that only around 25% of the websites were being blocked by all ISPs. Okay. And so uh, clearly ISPs are not following government orders adequately because right. of such, uh, right. as such large inconsistency yeah. Yeah. show. Yeah. Another reason might be, of course, that ISPs are blocking websites arbitrarily. And there is recent evidence of this uh, when users found that IndianKanun.com, uh, which is perhaps a very popular resource for lawyers to access court cases and laws. Yeah, basically all the court cases that are un- sort of not available publicly, India Kanun puts them out publicly, right? Yes, yeah. and uh, people who were using a geo connection found the website being blocked for them. Even though there was no order. Uh, so interestingly, uh, Sushant Sinha, who runs, uh, he contacted Reliance Geo, and a, uh, someone from that company told uh, Sushant that the website was blocked on a government order and that the order was rescinded the same day. And now Geo is not blocking website. But Indian Kanun filed an RTI with the government, and the response that uh, response was that we have no information that. Uh, Indian Kanun was ever blocked. Okay. So, so it's possible that Geo basically took SOMO to blocking. Uh, yes, websites. and if in case they are arbitrary, arbitrarily blocking websites, this goes clearly against the net neutrality yeah, laws that exactly. we have in India. Exactly. So, uh, so I think in terms of uh, policy implications, at least, our paper is showing empirical evidence for the fact that one of these theories is true that ISPs are not complying properly with blocking or unblocking orders yeah. or are blocking websites arbitrarily yeah. and therefore this calls into question the confidentiality rule for example that is Im- uh, imposed through regulation yeah. it also calls into question whether the government should be playing an active role in deciding the techniques used by ISPs to block websites because yeah. as we discussed some of them deny users basic transparency about website blocking the SNI. yes yeah. so in a way the technical ways are exaggerating the concerns posed by the already opaque framework of website blocking exactly. in India. Perfect. So this was a sort of 20 minutes spiel into how India censors the web and what are the really important policy implications. Um, as we discussed, there are various ways in which websites are blocked, some of which are relatively more benign, largely because they allow the internet service provider to give some sort of notice to the user, whereas others like the SNI that Prashavad mentioned is being used in South Korea. South Korea, South and, Korea China. And, and China. Those are more pernicious and more uh, intrusive to on fundamental rights because they don't even give them notice. And this is all compounded by what Goshwad mentioned was the most important founding finding, which was that the entire regime is basically random in the sense that in certain cases uh, there are uh, 
orders that ISPs are potentially not complying with and in certain random cases they may not be in order but an ISP is still complying with. So it really uh, means that both the methods of blocking and real policy thinking into how this regime is to take shape both at the constitutional level and at the level of the private uh, actor working in line with the government's and the state's constitutional prerogative are key sort of things that we need to look at uh, going forward. So uh, thanks Gushabad for uh, sharing your thoughts for us today and I think this was incredibly important. Uh, thanks Arindriti, I appreciate your feedback and as we go into the next phase of the research, we'll be also releasing an app so that users around India can uh, you know contribute to how India is censoring the web right. and we can get a better understanding of whether there are any geographical variations when it comes to techniques or block lists etc right. and uh, yes so uh, please uh, keep tuned to the CIS website for updates on that uh, we'd uh, love your help yeah, yeah sounds like a very cool app uh, so that was this episode of the influx podcast see you uh, sometime soon for more discussion on technology, policy, and politics. Thank you. This episode was produced by the folks at the Center for Internet and Society. Intro music, Fish Attack by Alpha Hydrate. Outro music, Palette de Will by Quick Wheat. <laughs>